Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. I hope you're having a fantastic day. No intro today, just going to hop straight into it. I'm going to give you my NBA tiers today um, because I'm assuming that there are some of y'all out there who didn't watch the NBA in-season tournament. And if you didn't, I think you really missed out. You should definitely tune into it next year. It was an absolutely fantastic time from a fan's perspective. Really competitive games. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you probably heard about this. So I'm going to I'm going to leave that be. But before I get into my NBA tiers, I just want to quickly address the loss that my Miami Dolphins took on Monday Night Football to the Tennessee Titans, blowing a 14-point lead in the last three minutes. You know, I was getting text messages, people coming at me, talking about, you know, Miami, are they are they frauds? Are the 9-4 and four Miami Dolphins frauds? Let me just say first and foremost, they might be, right? They haven't beaten the team with a winning record all year. Um, that still needs to happen at some point in order for me to buy into them as a Super Bowl team. But at the same time, I want to remind people that the Kansas City Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl last year, lost to the Indianapolis Colts. Okay? It happens. Both teams are professionals. Mike Vrabel is a fantastic head coach for the Titans. Tyreek Hill goes down for the Dolphins. And as we all know, as we all saw on Monday Night Football, the Miami Dolphins are not the same team without Tyreek Hill on the field. They just aren't. That's the reality that, you know, us Miami Dolphins fans are in. So now that I've hit on that, let's get into my NBA tiers. We're going to start at the top. Okay, these are the teams that I think can both make and win the NBA Finals. Okay? Let's start with who I... I don't want to crown them as the best team in the league because I don't think that they are. But let's start with the Boston Celtics, who, through the first quarter of the season, because that's where we're at, they've looked like the best team so far this year, right? Their ability to win the title, though is directly dependent upon Kristaps Porzingis' health. Okay, we saw them struggle defensively without him against the Pacers in the in-season tournament quarterfinals. They don't have a lot of depth in their front court as well. Um, Going back to that Pacers game, they 100% would have benefited from his offense in that game as well. He helps them space the floor. He just does a lot for them on the offensive side of the ball. But really, where he really makes his impact is when he's anchoring that defense. And even without Porzingis, though, The Celtics are a really good basketball team. He just makes them the best team in the Eastern Conference and potentially the best team in the NBA. Speaking of the best team in the NBA, they are who I have next. That is the Denver Nuggets. Um, Look, they won it all last year, and they returned their four best players. So, of course, like they're going to be in this tier. They're going to be in this tier all year long. They could be the 10 seed, be set up to play in the the play-in games. And I would still put them in this category. Okay, Jamal Murray, finally back from the hamstring injury. Jokic, still the best basketball player in the world. Michael Porter Jr., still letting it fly from downtown. Uh, Aaron Gordon continues to be just awesome. I love watching him play. He fits in so well beside Jokic, like everybody else in the NBA. They fit very well beside Jokic. And Aaron Gordon, is he's taking on the challenge to be the best defender on that roster, that's what he was last year. He, you know, obviously played a huge role in their run to the NBA Finals. He cuts well on the offensive end, uh, can knock down open shots when he needs to, can post up smaller players. Look, as, as I just said, their four best players are back from last year. They can undoubtedly repeat because of that. The next team that I have, the Philadelphia 76ers. They are number one in net rating on the year. Um, they're number two in offensive rating, and they're number nine in defensive rating. Okay, Tyrese Maxey has been awesome. This is a team that's doing it on both sides of the ball. Tyrese Maxey has been a large part of that. He's averaging 27 points a game and just under seven assists a game. 
I think the most impressive thing from him, though, is how he's not turning the ball over, only averaging one and a half turnovers a game. To go from being a catch-and-shoot, attack-off-the-catch type player, because that's what he was when James Harden was there, to being the, you are now the primary ball handler, We're gonna you're going to initiate pick-and-roll, you're going to initiate the offense. Making that leap and turning the ball over as little as he has, because this is the first time in his, in his NBA career where he's been that guy, he's been that main option in terms of initiating the offense and running the offense. It's really impressive. I think he's been awesome. Uh, defensively, the effort is there. He's hyper-athletic, so he's able to defend, got long arms, has has all the things that you want in an NBA guard. So Tyrese Maxey's been awesome. Obviously, Joel Embiid, once again, an MVP candidate. And I think my favorite thing about this 76ers team post-James Harden is how they always have five guys on the floor who are willing to give effort on the defensive end. Okay, this team is really good. They have the talent to beat good teams. Nick Nurse has won a title before. I think we forget that. I know Kevin Durant got hurt, all that stuff. Clay Thompson gets hurt. Doesn't matter. The fact that they've been there and they're able to close that out is really impressive. Nick Nurse, you can tell he's made this team better, and they've been a lot more fun to watch this year. Part of that, though, is obviously James Harden leaving. Next, I've got the Lakers here, and... They kind of lie in the same category as Denver, where I just I'm not going to count them out. Okay, they have LeBron James, who continues to put off any idea that he's getting too old for this. Okay, uh, we saw in the in-season tournament that when Anthony Davis wants to be a dominant big big man, he can be. We saw it in the playoffs last year as well. When he wants to turn it on, the Lakers go to a whole other level. Okay, on top of that. The Lakers, they have pieces to trade. Obviously, I don't think D'Angelo Russell is going to be a Laker at the end of the year. They're going to figure out some way to move him. Um, Austin Reeves, he continues to be reliable, becoming more and more of that secondary ball handler. The Lakers are awesome. And then they've got guys like Cam Reddish, who is just having a great year in L.A. Um, They're big. They're tough defensively. Obviously, you know, LeBron James has been awesome for them this year, and uh, Anthony Davis as well. When he wants to be, he's been awesome. And last team I have in this tier, I have the Miami Heat. You know, they're I think they're currently the seventh seed in the East, something like that. They're like they're like thirteen and eleven. Okay. Um, but here's the thing: every year they they find a way into the playoffs, and then they beat everybody in the Eastern Conference. It's so funny. Uh, you know, they've been to the Eastern Conference final, or excuse me, they've been to the NBA Finals twice in recent years. I think this is the deepest that they've been here recently. Um, we have to trust Eric Spolstra. Like, he's earned that trust. Uh, Duncan Robinson has replaced Max Struess, speaking to the depth here. Duncan Robinson's really come on strong. He had 24 last night, um, shooting the ball really well, giving effort defensively. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are obviously still there. They both continue to be great. Tyler Hero it appeared to be on a, miss- a mission when he, uh, when he started out this season, then he gets hurt. He's still been out. Still don't know when he's set to come back. Caleb Martin, he's been a solid option. And then rookie Hami Hakez Jr. is just, he's awesome. Okay, and if you watch him at UCLA, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Guy just knows how to score. Smart player, can pass the ball as well. Um, yeah, so those are my teams in my can make the finals and win it. Once again, that is Boston, Denver, Philly, the Lakers, and the Miami Heat. Now, the teams that are a trade away from being potential contenders, the Milwaukee Bucks, yes, that's right. I don't think the Milwaukee Bucks, with with where they stand today, could win an NBA title. As of right now, they are at best the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference. 
at best. Uh, the issue is they can't defend the perimeter. They have a lot of rim protection. Brooke Lopez, um, he can block shots. Giannis can obviously block some shots. Portis, decent you know, interior defender. The issue is on the perimeter. And if you saw the game where they played the Pacers, Tyrese Halliburton lit them up. They have nobody who can guard guards. And as great as Damian Lillard is on the offensive side of the ball, Part of why they didn't win a ton of games in Portland is because he was paired with a guy in C.J. McCollum who's not, an, who's not an elite defender, and Malik Beasley, not an elite defender. Pat Connaughton, he's been out, but even when he comes back, not an elite defender. They have to go out and make a trade for a guy they can put beside Lillard to guard the opposing team's best perimeter player because it's important, right? There's so many good guards in the NBA, and if you don't have someone who can at least – stay in front of and make life difficult on some of these guys, then you aren't going to beat them. You're just not. So the Bucks desperately need an elite perimeter defender. Dallas Mavericks, same boat. The offense, awesome. They are number three in offensive rating, but the defense is just, it's really bad. Just like Milwaukee, they don't have anybody who can guard elite, who can guard elite perimeter players. They don't have anyone. You know, like Dante Exum can give you like some cool minutes here and there. Tim Hardaway Jr., he's a zero defensively. I know they go out and they get Grant Williams, but he's, you know, kind of defends big men. Derek Lively is slowly coming along as a defensive anchor. They need someone on the perimeter who can get stops. And, you know, OG Ananobi, he's going to get moved at some point. I fully expect for both the Bucks and the Mavericks to make moves to go and get him. Because, as I said, they need someone who can guard the opposing team's best perimeter player. They do not have that, and they will not beat you know the best teams in the Western and Eastern Conference without that. Like If you're the Mavericks, who are you going to have chase around Jamal Murray? Who are you going to have guard Shea Gilgis-Alexander? If you're the Bucks, who are you going to have guard Tyrese Halliburton? Who are you going to have guard um, you know, Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum? I know those are wings, but like those are still perimeter-oriented players. Like, no one. They don't have anyone on, on their rosters who can do that. So both of those teams, Bucks, Mavs, they have to go out. They need to add something defensively on the perimeter in order to even be in the conversation of we can win a title. Last team I have here, the New York Knicks. I have – it's taken me forever to come around on, on the Knicks. And I was sitting down. I was, I, was, I was making these tiers. I was like, why don't I like the Knicks? I seem to like them less than everybody else. And I really like Jalen Brunson. I think R.J. Barrett is a solid NBA player. Um, Mitchell Robinson has been, you know, he's been pretty solid. Like, I like some of their pieces. I like Josh Hart. Um, I like Dave Vincenzo. Like, they've got pieces that I really enjoy watching and that I think are good players. But I keep getting caught and hung up. And I'm like, why Why don't I like the Knicks? It's because I don't like Julius Randle. That's the answer. And... I, if they can find a way to upgrade from Julius Randle, they are really good defensively because it's a Tom Thibodeau coach team. You know they're going to be good defensively because of that. If they can find a way to upgrade from Randle, I think this team could make a run to the finals. I just don't know who that player is, right? Because it's got to be something greater than Pascal Siakam. Maybe, you know, the Cavs, it becomes apparent, like, hey, Donovan Mitchell's leaving. You know, maybe the Knicks want to rent him and then try to extend him. That would make a lot of sense. But then, you know, defensively on the perimeter, they would kind of suffer. So they'd have to figure that part of it out. But they've got to upgrade from Julius Randle if they ever want to compete for a title. And I think that upgrade's coming soon. As I've said, they've got a lot of good pieces. They are in New York. They are the Knickerbockers. 
I mean, who wouldn't want to play for the Knickerbockers, right? So they've got to find a way to upgrade there. Outside of that, though, I really like the Knicks, and I really like their roster. That's just that's a piece that has to be moved and has to be upgraded. Next, young teams who could break through to the finals. Jonathan, what do you what do you mean by that? So we've seen over the past couple of years, right? Like two years ago, we see Luca and the Mavs make this run to the Western Conference Finals. The year before that, we saw Trey Young and the Hawks make this run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Before that, we see the Boston Celtics. Right, Jason Tatum was his rookie year, his second year, whatever it was. We see him make his run to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then in 2021 they break through and, and they play the Warriors. Still young, but very obviously very talented, obviously with a very bright future. That is who these teams are: young teams that have bright futures that are really good now and could potentially, you know, make a run to the finals or to their. Uh, conferences finals so let's start with the Minnesota Timberwolves they might be the second best team in the NBA they're just really young Anthony Edwards is incredible Carl Anthony Towns is great in his role as the second offensive option they play high level defense Rudy Gobert not quite what he was a few years ago but still he's been really good he's you know he's the anchor he's a large part of why they are the number one ranked team in defensive rating I mean They've been really, really good on that side of the ball. Um, Anthony Edwards, I think everybody's really bought in on, you know, I mean, how could you not? He's been he's been incredible. Um, so, yeah, I, the issue is as much talent as there is on this team because, they, man, even outside of Gobert, like, uh, McDaniels can defend, and they bring in, you know, Nas Reed off the bench, who's awesome, and they've just – they've got a lot of really good players. Slow-mo, like, they've got dudes on dudes on dudes. The issue is none of these guys – played in the finals you know Mike Conley is their most experienced player you know I think he got to the Western Conference Finals once with the Grizzlies that was a long time ago Um, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they handle the playoffs in these high emotional games because we've seen Carl Anthony Towns get upset and make mistakes we've seen Rudy Gobert get upset and make mistakes Anthony Edwards like he's a killer but he could potentially get too high in some spots and try to do too much how do they handle that Right, whereas you know the teams that I mentioned in that, you know, contender category, they've been there, they've done it. We kind of know how they're going to act in those big spots. Whereas the Timberwolves, they haven't been there. No one on their roster has. So I, I got the Timberwolves there. Next, we got the Oklahoma City Thunder. I can't remember a team with this much young talent. Okay, they have the players and the picks to make a big splash on you know around the trade deadline if they want. Unlike a lot of these other young teams, they have an elite closer in SGA. Okay, Chet Holmgren has put together a great rookie season so far. He should be the rookie of the year. Let me just put that out there now. With SGA, I mean, he's just, he's 30 a night. Again, it's, it doesn't matter who they play. He's been nothing short of incredible. Uh, we'd like to see him take some more threes, but that's neither here nor there. Still an amazing player, awesome closer. Um, just a guy who can kind of score it well. And that is, I think, a huge advantage they have over, you know, the Timberwolves and the Magic. That's the third team that I have in this tier. Um, like, SGA is a consistent scoring option. Like, I really like Anthony Edwards, but he can kind of go cold sometimes because his jump shot just isn't as consistent. Um, and we'll, we'll get to the Magic here in a sec, but really like SGA, really like this Thunder team. They've been so, so good throughout this year. Next, the Orlando Magic. They are 
the definition of 2023 basketball in the NBA. They are the definition of where basketball is headed. They have nothing but tall, long players who can both play and defend multiple positions. Okay, Paulo Bancaro and Franz Wagner, they've both found a way to coexist on the offensive end. And defensively, they are so tough because of their length and the fact that they are bought in on that side of the ball. I mean, outside of their nine-game win streak, it feels like people have kind of dismissed them as one of these young, up-and-coming teams. Um, they've got two offensive players that are awesome and young. They're willing to share the ball. I mean, they're they're really, really good. They're going to be really, really good for a long time. question is, is this year where they break through? The Eastern Conference is a little bit tougher than what I think people originally thought, so maybe they don't make that run, but, man, they're good, and they're so much fun to watch. Next, speaking of fun to watch, let's get to fun teams to watch but wouldn't scare me in a playoff series if I was playing against them. This is I, this is my biggest tier, so I'm going to try and work decently quickly here uh, through these teams. So let's start at the top, the Indiana Pacers. Thanks to the in-season tournament, everyone knows that Halliburton's a star. This is a team that can score. They are number one in offensive rating. They just can't defend. They desperately need a wing defender. I think that's what they're hoping rookie Jairus Walker turns into for them, but he's barely played this year. This is a team that's a couple years away, I think, from really kind of competing for a title, potentially making a run to the Eastern Conference Finals. But they're a lot of fun. Next, the the Cleveland Cavaliers. A lot of talent on the roster. Donovan Mitchell and Darius Garland, though, seem to not know who's driving the car. Uh, neither, of them, neither of them defend super well on the perimeter. Evan Mobley hasn't developed into a, into a reliable offensive player. And I just don't trust their coach, J.B. Bickerstaff. Don't do it. Just don't trust him. There's a lot of talent on this team, but there's clearly some issues with whose team it is, and the hope was that Mobley would become a better offensive player so he could coexist alongside Jared Allen on the offensive end. Obviously, defensively, they, they pair really well together, but but on the offensive side of the ball, it's not it's not great. Next, the Sacramento Kings, very similar to the Pacers. Electric on offense, have an awesome young point guard in De'Aaron Fox, but they don't defend consistently enough for them to beat the better teams in the Western Conference. Next, the Clippers. As crazy as the Clippers drive me, they still have four basketball players that have put together great careers. It's going to be fun to watch how the train crashes in the playoffs because they have so much talent that they're going to make the playoffs. The question is, you know, what seed are they going to be? I mean, I doubt that they host a home playoff series at all. Um, but really intrigued to see how that how their season continues to unfold. Next, actually, you know what? I I'm, I'm gonna save them for last. Next, we'll go the uh, the Atlanta Hawks, another team very similar to the Pacers and the Kings. They can score. Got a fun young point guard in Trey Young, but they don't defend well enough to beat the better teams in the Eastern Conference. The Rockets, they're so much fun. Love watching the Rockets, but they can't win on the road. Can't do it. They're 1-8 on the road. That's terrible. Okay, Ime Odoka has come in. He's done a great job. They are, you know, Sengun has been awesome. Jalen Green is scoring. I mean, you really have to tip your cap to Ime Odoka. If the Rockets make the playoffs, they make the play-in, he should be the coach of the year. I'm going to tell you that right now. But they got to figure out a way to – they have to figure out a way to win away from home. That is a hard thing to say. So, yeah, but Rockets – Way better than what they were. Next, the New Orleans Pelicans. They are full of talent, but their best player is unserious, and as long as Zion Williamson continues to not be in shape and continues to look like he doesn't care, 
they are going to beat the better teams in the Western Conference. They aren't going to, right? Brandon Ingram and C.J. McCollum are really good offensive players. Their role players are awesome. Herb Jones is awesome. I mean, there's a lot of players on this Pelicans roster that I think a lot of people like. The issue is their best player doesn't care. Simple as that. I did a whole thing on Zion Williamson, I think, last week on Wednesday or Friday. So if you want to listen to that, you feel more than free to go back and hear all that. Phoenix Suns. I don't know what to do with the Suns. I don't. You know, I, I probably have them in too low of a tier. I mean, I've got them in the they don't scare me in the playoffs. But here's the thing. I just I don't know what to do with them. We're a quarter of the way through the season, and their big three hasn't played a single game together. They need all three of them to compete for a title. We are two months away from the trade deadline, and we don't know if the Suns role players work well with all of their stars. And until we know what the Suns look like with Bradley Beal, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker on the floor, they're just a fun figment of our imagination. That's all they are right now, because we haven't seen it yet. So, And look, let's be honest, if they don't have all three, they aren't beating any of the teams that I listed above them. There's no way. Next tier, need to make some trades, but shouldn't totally blow it up. Start with the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are going to move OG Ananobi. They're probably going to move Pascal Siakam. Outside of that, though, I like their team. Dennis Schroeder, really good point guard. Um, you know, does it on both both sides of the ball. Um, Jakob Poltel, however you say it, um, solid big man. You know, not having as good of a year away from San Antonio, but that was to be expected. He's just getting less shots. Scotty Barnes, huge. Still think he should be the most improved player. He's been really, really good this year. Uh, Barnes is looking like the type of player that they could build around. Uh, if they can flip Ananobi and Pascal Siakam into good picks and players, they could be in the mix in the Eastern Conference in a couple years. Next, the Brooklyn Nets. Look, Macau Bridges looks like the guy in Brooklyn, right? I don't mind it. They just need something else around him other than Spencer Didwitty and a bunch of 3 and D wings. Okay, that's what they need. They've already got uh, a decent number of picks. Um, but here's the thing, like, you need more than 3 and D wings. Okay, like, you need some guards. You need some size. They've got a lot of them. Dorian Finney-Smith probably going to be moved. Um, they can take these guys and, and flip them and get, I think, a pretty decent return back, given how just how many 3 and D wings they have. It's it's pretty insane. Finally, in this tier, I'm, I'm probably going to talk a little bit longer on this team. The Golden State Warriors. Steph, you know, Steph Curry continues to be one of the best basketball players in the world. He's trying to move towards his fifth NBA title, and the two guys who have been with him the whole way aren't helping him at all. Klay Thompson is consistently bad. He has one good game a week. That's it. Draymond Green, probably going to be suspended after hitting Yosef Nurkic with a UFC spinning back fist last night. Like I just, he's unhinged. He's already been suspended once. He had the whole choking thing with Rudy Gobert. Nurkic is clowning him afterwards. Like, I'm just glad he didn't try to choke me. I mean, this is just not its not a good look. Okay, the Warriors, they are lacking size. They're lacking depth. They're, la- they're lacking other scoring options. Andrew Wiggins hasn't been as good since they won the title. And Steve Kerr continues to not play these young guys. I mean, at some point, you got to look somewhere else for answers. And they haven't done that. We'll see if they wind up doing it or not, but... Things do not look great in Golden State, and I'm very interested to see what they do with Clay Thompson uh, in in the offseason. Uh, next tier, blow it up immediately. Uh, the Chicago Bulls, well, they've 
you know, they've needed to trade everyone on their roster for like the last two years. Okay, get it over with. Trade Levine, trade Demar, uh, train, trade um, Vucevic. Just get rid of everyone. Okay, just restart. Okay, it hasn't worked. Sorry, Billy Donovan, but you got to start over again. The Charlotte Hornets, um, they should trade everyone not named LaMelo Ball, Brandon Miller, and Mark Williams. Everyone else, I would move them. They need a full reset. They've got too many guys on that team who have to have the ball. They don't have any 3 and D wings. They don't have anyone who consistently knock down shots. Like Terry Rozier has to have the ball. Gordon Hayward has to have the ball. LaMelo Ball has to have the ball. Brandon Miller needs to have the ball. I mean, we can keep going. They drafted James Booknight a couple years ago who's played one game this year. He's logged straight DNPs outside of that. Move him. See if there's someone else who may who may or may not take a bite on him. I mean, they're just, their roster's just bad. They 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 kind of clean the slate a little bit. Next, uh, waiting for their best player to return from a 25 game suspension. That's our next tier. The Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzly fans, sorry, but you've fallen way back in the standings. When John Morant returns, though, you'll be fine. Probably grab somewhere between like a six and a ten seed, and then you know everything will be okay after that. My next my next tier. Uh, final tier here, and then we're, we're going to wrap it up. One year late, Danny Ainge and the Utah Jazz are, are my first team here. Uh, Ainge is currently wishing that they would have started like this last year so that they could have had a chance at Wimby. That's why it's called one year late. These are all the really bad teams that, you know, the rest of the teams were bad last year, but, you know, they just they, they just barely missed out on Wimby. Anyway, uh, Danny Ainge wishes that they would have started like this last year the Jazz. I like, I like some of their young pieces. They got to develop them. Look, they are in excellent hands. We know what Danny Ainge does. We know how good of a GM and president of basketball operations he is. He's going to get them going in the right direction. This is just the rough part of it where you don't win very many games. It's just kind of how it goes. Next, the Portland Trailblazers. Scoot Henderson slowly coming along. Just keep trying to develop him in Shaden Sharp. Move Malcolm Brogdon at some point. Pick up a couple extra picks, whatever you got to do there. Continue to try and develop, you know, DeAndre Ayton. Um, yeah, I mean, Trailblazers, they're kind of fun to watch. Um, but Scoot, you know, just got to continue trying to develop him in his game. Next, the Spurs. Same thing as the Blazers. Just keep trying to develop Wimby and figure out guys who can play alongside of him. The Washington Wizards. Good luck. I don't even know what to say. They're just, uh, they're so bad. Jeez, they're so bad. Uh, but they don't have they don't have the least amount of wins in the NBA. That would be the Detroit Pistons, who have lost twenty games in a row. Twenty games in a row. I just Yeah, I, I haven't watched a ton of Pistons because of how bad they are, but I do like watching Cade. And they need more from him down the stretch. You know, the games I have watched, they've gotten to within, you know, the games are close with like six minutes left. And then that is the moment when your star takes over and they start to score the basketball and they just they take control of the game. And Cade just doesn't do that. And as a former number one overall pick, he has to do that at some point. At some point, he has to make that happen. And it, until he does, the Pistons are going to continue to lose games. I don't like that they aren't playing Jaden Ivey more. I think he should be getting 35 minutes a night. you got to figure out if he's good or not. Killian Hayes, he's had his opportunities. He should not be in the starting lineup. Simple as that. So that's going to do it here at Shooting the Schmidt. Hope you enjoyed it. A lot of basketball there. That was almost 30 minutes worth. Way longer than what I wanted it to be, but you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Um, it's basically basketball season now because it's almost Christmas, right? That's that's how that works. Um, thanks for, for listening. If you 
Follow the Substack. Apologies on not writing as much as I normally do. Um, just got a lot of stuff going on in both my personal life and in my professional life. Um, but that is not over with. I will be back writing again at some point. I just I need some things to kind of iron out and fix um, before I'm able to, to dedicate my time back to that. So once again, apologies on that. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back again on Friday with another episode for you.